0: welcome to the modern jewish girl podcast i am jenna lawyer by training writer and teacher by choice originally from new york i am a proud wife and mother living in los angeles join me as we delve into the holy torah's teachings and apply them to our lives i keep it short and sweet but always deep welcome Love Hi, welcome back. So this week I want to speak about the story of Yosef Hasadik, Joseph the Righteous, who the Torah spends a lot of time detailing his story and his ordeal and what he went through. He was the son of Yaakov, Jacob, and Rachel. Rachel. And he went through a lot. (laughs) It really really reads like a Hollywood story. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time telling the story and then speaking out what we can learn from it and specifically focusing on navigating life's challenges because, as we'll see, he went through a really challenging time. Okay, so Joseph was basically the favorite son of Jacob. And as a result, this spread a lot of jealousy with his other brothers. He had 10 brothers. And eventually they, they wanted to kill him, (laughs) but in their mercy, they decided to sell him as a slave to Arabs who brought him down to Egypt. Okay. So already this is like extremely traumatic (laughs) that they like sold their brother as a slave. To be taken away from his family, who of course were keeping, you know, Torah mitzvos the best way they could. Obviously, the Torah wasn't giving yet, but they they were Jewish, you know, the forefathers, and taking him away from his family and his tradition, and taking him to a foreign land. Um, Egypt at the time was the most powerful country in the world, the most powerful civilization, and it was a total idol worshipping place. So, Joseph gets there, and who ends up buying him as a slave? Um, a man named Potiphar, who was very high up. And he worked under Pharaoh and Joseph basically became in charge of his house. And he went through a very great challenge there because basically Potiphar's wife kept trying to seduce Joseph like over and over and over constantly. And Joseph did not give in. Okay. And eventually she pretended that he threw himself on her and forced himself on her, which of course was not true. But then what happens? He's thrown in jail. Okay. And Joseph is in jail ultimately for 12 years, 12 years. I mean, imagine this insane story. You're captured, you're sent as a slave. Someone pretends that you tried to rape them and then you're completely innocent. Now you're serving a jail sentence in Egypt of all places. So he, the Midrash tells us that Joseph served 10 years because he slandered his 10 brothers, okay? So he had spoke Lashon Hara about his brothers to his father. Basically, he thought his brothers were not observing Torah properly. They were doing certain sins. And so he told his father, you know, he meant well, but the Midrash tells us that he didn't fully look into these matters. And it wasn't true. What He thought the brothers were doing things that they actually weren't. So mida k'neged mina, meaning measure for measure, Hashem punished Joseph and he had to serve 10 years in prison. So that was his original sentence was meant to be 10 years. Okay. And then what happens? So he's in prison with the baker and the chief butler of Pharaoh who were both put in prison because the baker had served Pharaoh bread with like a pebble in it or a rock. And the chief butler had served Pharaoh wine with a fly in it. So they both were in jail and they both had dreams and they couldn't figure out the interpretation of the dream. And Hashem enabled Joseph to interpret their dreams correctly. And he basically said to the baker, you're going to, you're going to be hung, which is what happened. And he said to the chief butler, you are going to be restored to your former position with Pharaoh. And he said to the chief butler, remember me and mention me to Pharaoh when you get out of here. Okay. So for doing that, for telling the chief butler, you know, think, remember me and tell Pharaoh about me that I'm innocent and he should let me out. Hashem punished Joseph, and he had an additional two years in prison, (laughs) okay? Which really seems very extreme. We have to understand that our forefathers in the Torah were like the spiritual DNA, the genetic code of the Jewish people, okay? And the things that were happening to them are kind of like a framework for the Jewish people for all eternity. So first of all, these people were on a very high level, okay? Imagine being like a man who's seduced day in and day out by a beautiful woman and he doesn't give in. I mean, Joseph was rightfully called Hasadik, the righteous one, okay? And they were on such high levels that Hashem held them to a high standard. So when Joseph said to the chief butler, remember me and tell Pharaoh about me, he essentially was putting his faith, his salvation in the hands of this mere person, as opposed to Hashem, as opposed to just trusting in Hashem, he had like a blip in terms of his faith. Okay. He he had a little bit of a lack of faith. And so he was punished for an additional two years. But what's so amazing is the moment Hashem was ready to take Joseph out of prison, he immediately rose to the highest heights. Okay. So this is what happened. Two years go by and Pharaoh has a dream and he dreams about seven fat cows who are devoured by seven very thin cows. And then he dreams of seven plump ears of grain, whatever that means. (laughs) We don't live in an agricultural society, but you can imagine um, being devoured by seven thin and wind beaten ears of grain. Okay. This is what the Midrash is telling us. And what the Midrash is kind of like the backstory on the Torah, um, on the written Torah. So Pharaoh has this dream. He has the interpretation of the dream but then he forgets the interpretation and it's driving him crazy. And he calls in his astrologers, his magicians, his soothsayers, his advisors, all of these people, and nobody can give him the proper interpretation of the dream. And it's at that moment that the cupbearer remembers Joseph two years later and tells Pharaoh, there's a man in prison who can interpret dreams correctly. And Pharaoh says, bring him to me. So at that moment, these guards or whoever it is, go down to Joseph who's sitting in a in a prison cell in Egypt and says, let's go. Pharaoh wants to see you. He's immediately clean shaven, properly dressed and taken to literally the most powerful man in the world at that time. And Pharaoh says to him, I hear that you can interpret dreams correctly. And what does Joseph answer? He says, the interpretation is not in my hands. God shall give Pharaoh a favorable answer. I mean, think about this level of humility. And I mean, he's in such a vulnerable position, Joseph. He had been in prison for 12 years for doing nothing. And he is just released and brought before the most powerful person who is giving him an opportunity to be free. And instead of saying, yes, oh, of course, you know, I'll, I'll do my best or I'll interpret your dream. He's saying, it's not me, it's God. And he's telling this to a man who is a total idol worshiper who does not believe in one God. I mean, you have to you have to understand like the courage of that response and, and the level of faith and trust in God that it showed. I mean, it's truly amazing. So what happens? So Joseph properly interprets the dream. He tells Pharaoh, and Hashem enables him to do this, obviously. He tells Pharaoh that the seven fat cows and the seven fat sheaves of uh, grain represent seven years of agricultural abundance and wealth that Egypt is going to have and then it's going to be followed by seven years of severe famine represented by the thin cows and um, the thin ears of grain and he says that the famine is going to be so bad that it's going to completely devastate all the abundance that had been experienced prior so Essentially, Joseph told Pharaoh, what you have to do is you have to hire somebody who's going to collect a certain amount of the grain that comes in over the next seven years and store it up so that when the famine comes, you know, Egypt will be able to get through it. So Pharaoh turns to him and says, you're hired. (laughs) And so this is how Joseph went from being a slave and a prisoner to literally being second in command in the most powerful country or civilization in the world at the time. If that doesn't read like a Hollywood film, I don't know what does. I mean it's so amazing, so dramatic, and there's a lot we can take out of it. So here we go. The first thing I want to point out is the root of all of Joseph's suffering was his slander, the Lush and Hara that he spoke about his brothers. It was actually technically slander because it wasn't true, but he thought it was true. And He, as I said, he reported things about his brothers to his father that he thought were true, but he hadn't really looked into properly. And think about all the suffering he endured. I mean, he really endured a lot of suffering. So from this, we have to take that. We need to be very careful with our speech. We can't take it lightly. And if we want to report on something that somebody did, we have to make sure that we really have our facts right. And this is an area of Jewish law that's actually very nuanced and detailed. And there's, there's books about it. Um, you know, daily lesson a day, the Chafetz Chaim Heritage Foundation puts out a bunch of amazing books on the laws of lashon Hara, proper speech. Um, And it's really something to be studied and practiced carefully because it is such a sensitive thing. Another core lesson that we take away from this story is that Hashem creates all of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And we need to trust that there's a positive reason for it, even if we can't see it at the time. So you might be thinking like, how was it positive in any way that he was sold as a slave, that he was accused of rape, that he was sent to jail? What about these things were positive? So my teacher, Sarah Yochavid Rigler says something very powerful. She says, bad things do not happen to good people. Okay. She says, painful things may happen to good people, but not inherently bad things. And the Torah gives us several reasons why painful things happen to us. She says that the painful event or inconvenience could be a kapara. Okay. A kapara means like an atonement that pays for a spiritual debt. So if we, if we sin in some way in this world, you know, do an avera, which means to miss the mark the Hebrew word for sin, Avera, means to miss the mark. If we do something like that, okay, so there's a, there's a consequence. That's just the way the world was created. It's the way Hashem created the world. So she says, we'd rather pay the debt in this lifetime than in the eternal afterlife. So Joseph completely paid his debt in this world. So that's number one. The painful experience could be in the Zion. It could be a test sent from Hashem to help us exercise our free will to be a better version of ourselves and fulfill our potential. You know, a lot of times we're tested and it, and even though the tests are painful and there are struggles, um, eventually if we succeed, we come out to a higher place, you know? Um, so it could be that Joseph was being tested also in his faith in Hashem. And something I just want to add here is that, the Torah tells us that if we are working on ourselves, if we're taking the initiative to be better people, Hashem won't need to send us tests to wake us up, to grow, because that's why we're here, to grow. So we want to be self-initiators. We don't want to cause Hashem to send us tests, even though they're ultimately for our own good. We don't ask for tests. We don't want them. And lastly, painful things happen to good people because it could be a tikkun, a rectification of something we needed to fix, whether from the past or even from another lifetime. I mean, it's so unbelievable. We have no idea why our souls were sent to this world in this lifetime and what our individual individual missions are. I mean, we have clues, we have ideas, but, you know, ultimately there's certain things we may need to fix. And so Hashem will put us into painful or trying circumstances in order to bring about that Tikkun. So looking at the story of Joseph, Hashem really paved the way for his descent and then his ascent to, to power. I mean, it's really unbelievable. He caused Joseph to be sold into slavery he caused him to be placed in Potiphar's house and his wife to seduce him and then to him to be put in jail and the baker and the cupbearer to be there and for them to have dreams and Joseph to interpret them. I mean, the fact that none of the magicians or advisors who were so well-versed in dream interpretation could interpret his dream and then only Joseph was the one able to. I mean, all of these circumstances were completely orchestrated by Hashem. And as we said, Joseph was a person of great faith. If you think about the response he gave to Pharaoh, I mean, it's, that it just shows it. Um, and even though he had that little blip of faith with, with the cupbearer, he ultimately knew Hashem was with him the whole time, which is so unbelievable given the trying circumstances he was in. And we have to take this lesson for our own life that Hashem is with us all the time. Even if we sink to the lowest low, like Hashem is there with us. And that's because a parent does not give up on his child. It doesn't matter what happens to the child or what the child does or goes through. The parent is always with him. And so too, Hashem is always with us. When I was at Emory, I got to a place where I wasn't really so motivated Jewishly. I was kind of becoming a little disconnected and I felt like I needed my own space. So I had stopped learning with the rabbi on campus and I kind of stopped going to Shabbat dinner. I stopped doing everything. I talk about this in my book that just came out, by the way, um, Princess Without a Crown. And it was it was really crazy because I had planned to go back to Israel to learn in obey. And because I was feeling so disconnected, I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to go anymore. And basically... I had the most incredible divine providence experience that I detail in another podcast episode, the one, two books, two friends with my friend, Cynthia, where basically Cynthia and I had happened to be in the same city on the same night. And she said, come with me to Israel. And I, I kind of woke up. It was like a light bulb moment where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go. And so I decided to go back and I kind of got back on the Derek, got back on track. And when I got back to campus and I, the next time I saw the rabbi on campus, I, you know, went up to him and I apologized and I told him what happened to me and my run-in with Cynthia. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, you know, Jenna, I gave up on you, but Hashem didn't, which is, it's so powerful. I mean, Hashem never, ever gives up on us. So another lesson that we can take out of this story is that we can't put too much hope and trust in people. Okay. People are fallible. People make mistakes Hashem is the source of our salvation and people are merely messengers. Okay. So there's no one person we should ever look to as like our hope and our salvation. If Hashem wants somebody to help us, they'll help us. If he doesn't want them to help us, they're not going to help us. Okay. Um, And this is really what Hanukkah is about. You know, Hanukkah, the time we're in now, it's a holiday of faith and trust. Okay. Think about this rebel army of Torah scholars who were going up against the greatest army of the time, the Greeks. They were totally outnumbered in terms of people, in terms of equipment. They had no shot in terms of the natural order of the world. And yet their faith in God and their faith that they were doing the right thing and that Hashem was going to help them, that is the merit that enabled them to win and ultimately created the miracle of Hanukkah. When we have faith that Hashem is going to help us, that merit is... Enables miracles from Hashem. I mean, it's really, really incredible. So, Joseph made a mistake by putting his faith in the chief butler and um, not putting his faith completely in Hashem. Obviously, he was on a very high level, and that's why he got such a harsh punishment for that. It's something any of us would have done. But we have to remember this going forward. The next lesson I want to discuss is that we need to trust in Hashem's timing for us, okay? When Hashem was ready to redeem Joseph, at that instant, And not a moment sooner he was released from prison, and the timing was prime time for Joseph to ascend to the highest position of the kingdom with Pharaoh's dream. So everything happens when it does for a reason, and we have to trust in Hashem's timing for us. And this is also a very amazing, important point. We have to understand that it's Hashem who gives us our gifts and our talents and our abilities in life. And Joseph recognizes this. To Pharaoh, he says, Hashem is the one who gives me the ability to interpret your dream. And it's maybe this humility that he had, that is the reason why Hashem gave him so much power and, and gave him this merit of being able to interpret dreams. So we have to remember Hashem is the one who gives us our gifts, talents and abilities. And we can be proud of ourselves for exercising them and using them in the right ways. Of course, you know, we have to put effort into our lives. But ultimately, Hashem decides if we're going to be successful. And he's the one who gives us the abilities in the first place. And the last point that I want to make is it's Hashem who really determines who is wealthy, who is poor, who's mighty, who's weak, who's proper, prosperous, who's failing, okay? This is what the Midrash tells us is the lesson from this whole ordeal. And we have to understand that our position in life can really change in an instant. And depending on your position, you know, this could either make you feel hopeful that things will get better, or if you're thank God doing amazing, you can just be grateful and understand that it's a complete gift from Hashem, that you have your health, that you have wealth, whatever it is. And we all experience, you know, ups and downs in life. So when we're, when we're in a low, we can, we can hope that things will get better because in an instant, Hashem can turn things around for us as we saw with Joseph, literally in an instant. And at the same time, if we're riding really high, we can't get too arrogant because at any moment, Hashem could just take it all away. So these are the lessons that I wanted to take out of the story of Joseph. I think it's an unbelievable story and the story continues in in the next week's parsha when the brothers come and eventually Joseph reveals himself. I mean, it's amazing. So to sum up, as we see in the story of Joseph, Hashem ultimately controls our circumstances and our abilities and our talents. And it's he who decides our successes and our failures and our realm of free will is ultimately our moral choices. But we have to understand that if we're in difficult circumstances, that they're ultimately for the good, even if we don't understand it. And our faith that Hashem can turn things around in a moment, in an instant, that faith will hopefully enable us to merit miracles and redemption. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast and share. And if you could write a review on Apple Podcasts, I would be so grateful. Take care.